You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, I'm so glad that you're here with me today to listen to episode 25, Your Instructional Coaching Personality. Over the last few episodes, we've talked about defining your coaching role and sharing that role with teachers. And so if you haven't listened to episode 22, I recommend going back and creating your own coaching role because this is going to help you think about how you want to frame yourself as a coach. Knowing what you want to accomplish as a coach can help you think about the kind of personality you want to bring to the table. So even just saying that, does that sound weird? Like what kind of person do you want to be as a coach? So the idea isn't that that you're pretending right? Um, the idea is that you are are showing the parts of yourself and, and enhancing the parts of yourself that are going to be the most supportive of doing the kinds of work that you want to do on that campus. It can be really hard to identify our own personality, right? We don't always know what we're like. We have ideas and we fill out these little quizzes and we, <laughs> and we hope we're like, hmm, what kind of cheese am I though? Yeah, if I was a cow, what kind of cow would I be? But that's not really, those are just fun little quizzes, right? But actually figuring out what we're like can be tricky. So first of all, just kind of think a little bit about how would friends describe you? What are some things that people frequently say about you, provided people do say things? (laughs) Um, So... That could be how you're perceived, what your perceived personality is by people that are in your maybe personal circle. So whenever you think about as a teacher in the classroom, the way that you interact with students, it may not be the way that you interact with people in your personal circle, right? You've made adjustments to that personality that you take to school with you every day. You are possibly not as um, as much yourself as you are at home. You might, maybe at home you are more blatantly honest. I know that I can be very frankly honest. I can have a short fuse at home. I can, um, I am extra loving at home. I'm, I'm loving, I like to think I'm loving everywhere that I go, but you know how affectionate you are with your family. It might be different than how affectionate you are in a public place like school. So we do have slightly different personalities that we took to school as teachers whenever we're interacting with students. We have different personalities um, for friends versus colleagues. We might be, maybe I know that at school, um, maybe there are times whenever I would do more listening and kind of wait to see what direction things were headed in. And maybe with friends, I kind of have a better sense of where things are headed so I I can address situations more head on and more quickly. Um, We have a different personality whenever we deal with even sometimes with different groups of people because we are responding to something that they're putting out, right? So it's not unreasonable to think that you might be a little bit different in different places. So I'm not asking you to be insincere. I'm asking you to be yourself. I just think that as a coaching personality, sometimes we are like maybe 10% better than ourselves. We might be a little more patient, a little more observant, a little more kind, a little more forgiving, a little more of the good things um, than we are just as our normal selves, of the good things that are relevant to doing that work. So the first thing I want you to do in order to think about what you want to bring to the table as a coach is envision a leader who you've worked for or with in the past. 
This could be a principal. It could be an instructional coach when you were in the ca- in the classroom. It could be a district leader. It could be your boss when you worked at a pizza place. It could be, um, I mean, I worked at, at KFC and I sold cutlery and I mowed lawns and I've done, <laughs> I've done a lot of interesting things in my, you know, my pre-teaching career. And so think about people who you worked for or with that you think really represent a good leader, someone who demonstrated some good leadership qualities. I'm going to share about my principal, Miss Muscle, that she was my principal whenever I became an instructional coach. She hired me to be a coach. And you can actually listen to her in episode nine and get an idea of who she is. And she talks in that episode about how she created structures for um, supporting coaching work, how she grew her school and supported teachers and provided opportunities for learning um, on that campus. So that's that's a really great episode to listen to if you haven't already. So some of Miss Muscle's best qualities as a principal, in my opinion, of course, I was a coach, not a teacher at the time, so I may have a slightly different perspective than teachers would. But some of her best qualities as a principal were that she was very organized. She planned the yearly calendar at the end of the at the end of the year for the next year. So like in 2019, in May, we were figuring out the fall of 2019. Um, we already we laid out all the calendars in front of us. We did this as a team. And um, that process, because we were able to do this as a team with enough time so that we were really being thoughtful about it, it gave people a voice. We could make decisions that were thoughtful. Whenever you're not organized, you often have to make decisions unilaterally because you have not planned for the decision-making process. So you end up doing a lot of things yourself just to get it off of your plate. And I think leaders like Miss Muscle take the time to prepare and become organized and plan so that whenever the decisions have to be made, you have time to get voices. She was also consistent. You know what you'd get when when you talk to her. You understood the expectation. She didn't make excuses for anybody um, as far as, not excuses. She didn't give cut anybody any slack over anybody else in terms of, oh, this person doesn't want to do this, so I'm not going to force them to do it. Or, oh, this person thinks that this is okay, even though our school has decided it's not okay, I'm just going to let it go. She didn't really allow that. She was consistent and was like, this is what our school believes in. This is what we need to do consistently. And no matter how many conversations she had to have over how many years with people, um, she would continue to do that work because she believed that we we deserve to be treated equitably and if we are allowing some people to do things and other people are not permitted to do things that that's really very um, inequitable so she was consistent you knew what the expectation was she was approachable you could pretty much ask her anything and she found a, a time a way to make time for people all the time So she wasn't ever too busy. Like she would say, if she was busy, she'd say, let's set up a time to talk about that. You know, we can talk about it tomorrow morning or I have some time tomorrow afternoon. She knew that she would make time for you. She was also very generous. And I mean this in kind of like the broad sense. She was generous with her thoughts about you. She was like very um, kind in her thoughts about you. So she expected that you were trying to do something good. She wasn't immediately critical or immediately judgmental in her thoughts about people. And she was also very generous in the effort that she put into working with people. So if people needed her support, she would find an extra time block to work with individuals or groups of people to make sure they got the attention or support that they needed. Um, She gave people more than they needed, really, in opportunity and in training. So making sure that people were prepared. If you had an interest in moving up into a different position, she would coach you and support you to help you get there. 
And she also was generous with gifts and food. <laughs> and not everybody can do that. But whenever you have a school budget, sometimes you can, can find ways to support your people through serving them a nice meal on a workshop day or buying them a special treat um, during PLCs or, you know, getting them something nice for teacher appreciation that they can also use in their classroom. So she was very creative in doing those kinds of things that made teachers feel valued and supported, at least in that um, kind of lower Maslow's um, hierarchy. We all need to feel that way. And it also builds a sense of community. Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration, and I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, <laughs> but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at Buzzing with Miss B. Com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. So these things made a lot of people want to work for Miss Muscle. Not everybody did, of course. You will never have 100% of people think that you're the best boss ever or the best coach ever the best leader ever. But many teachers believed in Miss Muscle and some of them actually went out of their way to work in a part of town that was actually really far away from where they lived because they believed in her leadership and in what she was trying to do on that campus. So I thought that was very admirable. And in being a coach, I tried to emulate some of these things so that I could hopefully support people and become a strong leader in the same way. So now I want you to think about if you've got your vision, uh, your vision of a good, strong leader that you would like to um, emulate in some ways. You don't have to be another person, but we can learn good things from other people. And now I want you to think about the qualities of a leader that are not so desirable. And I can very quickly think of many, <laughs> many, many people who I have known personally and who I have not. Um, but I will paint a picture of a leader who is not someone I would like to emulate. One of the things that really gets me with leadership is fake positivity. I do believe we should have a positive demeanor, and I do believe we should believe that we can fix problems together. But I don't like it when people pretend like everything is fine and then shrug it off when people have legitimate concerns. If people are really concerned about something and a leader is just like, eh, that's, I don't think that's a big deal because I think everything is perfectly fine. Those rose-colored glasses, to that extent, are dangerous. And I think it's a real problem whenever we're just pumped up, oh, you can do it, we have to do it, we can do it, without providing any support to do this hard work. 
So that I have a real problem with. And I would hope not to emulate that. Also, some people, we try not to use the word lazy. We don't want to describe people as lazy. But I mean, some people will avoid work at all costs. <laughs> and maybe it isn't laziness, but for whatever reason, they are not doing the work. And they try to pass work off to others. So for example, if you're in a leadership position on a campus and you're not in a classroom, if you're trying to pass work off to teachers and say, oh, the teachers can do it, the teachers can do it all the time, that you're just dodging responsibility. And so that is not something that I believe we would want to emulate. Band-Aid support is another one. So there's a huge underlying issue on our campus. And instead of actually addressing that issue, we're just going to throw some tools at the problem right? Um, we have a large number of students who are reading below grade level. To me, that's a systemic issue. We have a real problem here that we have to address through teacher, um, teacher training and support and what we can do to get the support to our kids that they need and the materials that they need. And instead, we'll just buy a computer program and pretend like that's going to fix everything. Okay, just do it consistently and it'll be fine. That is a huge problem to me because that means that this person doesn't want to get their hands dirty. They're not getting in there and doing the work that needs to be done to actually provide the support to teachers that they need. Another characteristic that, that we really want to avoid is having no follow through. So making a promise to do something and then either forgetting about it, and that's in quotation marks, <laughs> um, or being so disorganized that you double book yourself or it's impossible for you to accomplish that task, or only doing a little piece of it and then flaking out on the rest. So for example, working with teachers during a, um, a review session for the test prep that we were doing one year, we had one person who was assigned to groups. Um, of teachers and that person consistently would pop in for the first few minutes and instead of sticking around and participating in the whole lesson, they would pop in for a little bit and say, oh, you know what, I really have to run and do something else. And then they would leave. Well, that is not supportive of teachers at all. There's no follow through then in that plan that you agreed to whenever you created a plan to support teachers in the first place. So teachers can't believe in you if you're not there to do the work. So in thinking about these things, I mean, it's, it's clear what we want to be and what we don't want to be, but how do we do it? How do we go about actually enacting these good qualities that we want to enact on our campuses? What does that look like? So what I want you to do is after you identify several of your, your character traits that you really want to identify or really want to um, exemplify in your coaching personality that you're striving towards, um, I want you to, th to think about how, what are some actions that you can use to demonstrate those traits? What will it look like to be reliable? What will it look like to be um, an ongoing learner? What will it look like to be these things? So I'm going to give you a few examples that will hopefully help you identify these in your own coaching practice. So if you, one of the, one of the things that I was found really important is I wanted to be a person who was challenging and I wanted to make ongoing learning a priority for myself and for my campus. I wanted to create that culture. So in order to do that, in order to have that character trait of being like a, an ongoing learner and being a challenging person that always challenges people to learn more and to grow, we think about what can we do daily that will make that happen? So here are a couple things that we can do. We can ask questions to help people reflect and think more deeply about what's going on. You know, so we say, why do you think that's the case? How can we implement that? What could we do to, to, to change that? We cannot accept the kids as an excuse. So for example, whenever a teacher says, well, they didn't do it, but I mean, they just didn't want to do it. They just, just didn't want to try. They didn't want to try. The kids are not controllable. You cannot control another person. 
The only one we control in the classroom is ourselves, right? We are the only people we have any control over. We cannot control a teacher. We cannot control a child. We can create an environment in which they want to do what we ask them to do. In reality, we are not grabbing anybody's hands and making them write the alphabet, right? That's just, (laughs) we do not do that. So we are not able to control what they do. So we can't use that as an excuse. All we can do is respond to what we see and try to create a better system and a better support system for kids. So what can we do to address these situations proactively is a question that we can ask to get around those, oh, it's all the kids, it's the kids, it's the kids' fault. We can also share research and resources and be a model for learning and also encourage teachers to participate in learning opportunities by saying, hey, I know that you were asking about this the other day and I found this article that I thought you'd like. Hey, I remember that at the beginning of the year you said you were working on this and I can see you've got some of that up in your room. Would you share that with your colleagues? I love the way you've tried something new. We can create those opportunities and push every day so that teachers can continue to learn and grow and share that with their colleagues. Another trait that I wanted to demonstrate was practicality. Um, I've worked with a lot of people at different levels that sometimes I feel like they're not realistic about the work that's being done and what needs to be done on campuses. And so I wanted to make sure that I was being practical in my work with teachers so that I could be honest. Because if we're not practical, I feel like we're not being honest. We're pretending things are going to work out. But I mean, if if hours, if you get a schedule that doesn't add up to the same number of minutes that you spend with the kids... That's not a practical schedule. It's a pie in the sky schedule that's just going to frustrate everybody. So I believe it's important to be realistic and practical. So for that purpose, some things that we can actually do to demonstrate this is we can start with our framework and work within it. What time frames do we have? What beliefs do we have? How can we make these things fit into a reasonable day? We can schedule things and create plans that actually address what teachers need to accomplish. So if we have several units to get through and we have to get through it by a certain time, we may have to play with how much time we spend on each thing because kids will need more support on some things than others. We have to be practical and realistic about how long things are going to take us. We can ask teachers what they need. So if I ask a teacher, if I just throw resources out, or I just recommend things left and right without finding out what teachers need, that's not going to practically be um, implemented into their classrooms. So we need to talk to teachers and communicate and make sure that we are supporting the needs that they have in the classrooms with our resources and our workshops. Another characteristic that I wanted to demonstrate was reliability, because I've seen a lot of leaders, like I mentioned before, who can't really be trusted to follow through. And we have to count on our leaders because if we can't count on our leaders, then where is the consistency in that? What is the, why, how can a teacher who's in the classroom with kids actually accomplish the hard work of teaching well if she can't count on the people that are there to help her? So a few things that we can do to demonstrate reliability is following through on what we say to do making realistic plans that we can actually accomplish. And that's kind of why, to me, reliability and practicality are sort of tied up together. Being the same version of myself with all teachers and grade levels. So not demonstrating favoritism. We want to be reliable and consistent. And if we have favorites, teachers know it. And if we are favoring some teachers and going out of our way to support some people and not others, shutting down conversations with some people and not others, then teachers see it and we are no longer trustworthy. So we need to be consistent so that they know what they're getting every time they talk to us. We want to be present and available for teachers after school. Nobody has to live at campus and that's really super unhealthy. But if we are not present and available for teachers to find us when they are available because they don't have students in their classrooms, then when are they going to work with us? 
if the school ends at 2.45 and I take off at 3 o'clock, when do teachers come find me? I'm not there. So we need to make sure that we are present on campus when teachers are coming to look for us at least a few days a week, but ideally pretty much every day. Um, we also want to respond when teachers ask for help. So if somebody reaches out to you, we ha- we can't ignore it. We can't be like, oh my gosh, that just seems like so much work. Or every year I help this person with this and they have not shown any growth in this area. Maybe it's time to create a new plan, but I don't think it's time to ignore that person. If we ignore people, then that's the first thing that they say is, well, I asked for help and they didn't help me, right? And now the fault has, the blame has been placed on you as not being the support provider. So you may need to adjust your plan to make sure that that person is getting to independence, but you definitely don't want to neglect a person who's asking for something. So those are three examples of traits that um, that I found to be really important in my coaching work and the ways that I would go about demonstrating those. So what you can actually do is take some time to think about what a good leader looks like and what a leader that you want to avoid looks like, and then brainstorm some ways to demonstrate those qualities and do those things to show who you are. They actually enact those qualities on your campus so that teachers can, can perceive that from you. Um, main takeaway that I have for you today is that your coaching personality is you only 10% better. <laughs> you are still bringing yourself to school. We just want to highlight the parts of us that will help do the work. In the next episode, I'm going to share about a topic that I get asked about a lot, which is, I almost forgot here, which is building relationships. So I had mentioned a while ago um, in one of my previous episodes about building relationships and how essential that is to your coaching work. So Nita from Love Teach Bless actually did an interview with me about building relationships with teachers. And so I'm super excited to share that with you because we had a really fun conversation about some things that you can do and an approach that you can take that will help you uh, grow your relationship with teachers. So until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.